Let me tell you a little bit about Anchor FM. It's what we're using to record this podcast today. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Basically, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. You can download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, we're back and we have watched The Lady in the Water. Uh, Amanda, can you kind of summarize what the plot of this movie is? Because I'm not sure I can do it. (laughs) I will do my best. Okay. Basically, there's the superintendent of a of an apartment complex and he knows everybody in the complex he's been there for years he has a tragic backstory he has a stutter the stutter is a major character trait of his and he encounters the lady in the water who is like this this folklore nymph Hanging out in the... In a the, narf. A narf. A narf. It was called a narf. Yes. Which I could not stop thinking about Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. Narf? Yes. Well, that's not how he does it. That's how I heard it. <laughs> okay. Um, And, you know, at first he thinks that she's just some random lady swimming naked in the apartment complex pool. And he's... Like, you're in trouble now. Well, and she, like, rescues him from drowning because he is going to drown for some reason. Like, he falls and slips into the pool, and she rescues him and drags him into his apartment. And then he's, like, almost from zero to 100 on, oh, you're a narf. I'm going to help you go back to your people and fly away with the eagles. And and he's, like, 100% invested. In- and she's being stalked by these things that are, like, wolves. Like grass wolves. Like a snark or something like something snark. Like a, a grunt. Grim. <laughs> Completely not memorable. Yeah, and then there's supposed to be these grass monkeys in the trees, but they don't show up until the end because of writing. And anyway, he gradually learns all the details of this folklore story from one of the residents of the complex. And he gets the translation from this older Asian woman's daughter which is sort of funny it's a little charming um but as the details come out it turns out there's this whole group of people that's supposed to help participate in getting her back home and the whole reason she even came to the apartment complex is because she's supposed to like bring some message to the humans that'll turn the course of history i'll say this if you had given me this synopsis before I watched the movie. I would not have agreed to watch the movie. Well, I'm not even done yet because it turns out the the particular person that she needs to make contact with is this writer played by M. Night Shyamalan. Yes. And it is the most indulgent thing I've ever seen in film. Yeah. And Okay. I really thought I was going to like this movie, and it was awful. It just dragged, and I kept looking at the time to see if it was finally over. 
I was getting up and pacing around the room because I didn't have the attention span for this movie. Well, and I- it just kept getting more and more, not even just unbelievable, like, fantasy, unbelievable, like, character development. Yeah. Well, and, and that's part of the problem Problem with the pacing is it's let's get the gang together. Oh, no, we got the wrong gang. Let's do it again. Yeah, and basically for this fantasy to to happen, I don't know. There is a fantasy story that is happening in real life, and all it requires is a five-minute conversation with this guy to be like, hey, we need to go save this magical creature from magical evil things. And everybody's like, okay, I don't need to eat dinner or visit my kids or study or... They drop what they're doing to go be like, yeah, it seems legit. Well, and there's this this background setting of things are bad in the world. There's wars. It's all going downhill. Like, anytime there's a TV on, it's like something exploding in a desert. Like, that's the background. And so she's supposed to turn the tide with this writer guy who's going to write this great book called The Cookbook for Lulz. And some kid is going to read it. And become president. Yes, and change the world. Yes. But the writer figures out that before that happens, he's going to die. Because she didn't say he met the kid. Which didn't seem like she would have needed to, even if he had. Like, it wasn't about him at that point. It wasn't about him. And the... his reasoning was the reason his book became so influential is because he was basically martyred. Okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch a lot of things. I don't... Well, you weren't really into it. I wasn't into it. Yeah. 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 But the one thing that was at the back of my mind through the whole thing was uh, Amanda's really made us stick to the rule that this this uh, podcast is supposed to be looking at movies that tried to have a message mm-hmm. and did a poor job of hitting it home. And I would say this movie did such a poor job of hitting whatever message it was home that I'm going to have to ask Amanda what message she thought this movie was <laughs> trying to do. <laughs> So, there's something that's said a couple of times by a couple different characters. And what it... The saying is something like, no one tells you your role in life. Right? Because they all play different roles in this folklore story. But they have to figure it out on their own. And I Uh, think that's the message. Okay. It seems like they were also trying to say, become who you are. Yes, which is why the which is why the repeated line stood out to me, because I'd never caught that the last time I watched it. Yeah, it it definitely had this. Everyone has a purpose, mm-hmm. and you have to find out what your purpose is. Yes, which is a little bit Kurt Vonnegut's Cat's Cradle. It's not even an original idea. Anyone, any literary person might recognize that as the wampeter of your caress. Well, and they're literally filling roles in a story. Yeah, and they're saying it as though they almost use the implication that this is a um, like a union. What do they call them? The types, the archetypes. 
I haven't studied Jung. <laughs> oh. Well, a lot of it comes from, like, the hero's journey and mm-hmm. Joseph Campbell and all of that. And it kind of makes this reference as though these types are archetypical characters that you'll see in any given story. But I have read a lot of archetypes and Joseph Campbell, and I do not quite recognize what the heck he said. Now, I'm not a scholar in the subject. I don't know that he is either. I don't think he is either. Well, and the thing that stood out to me reading the back of the DVD case, because that's where I get most of my information about these movies, is I guess this started as a story that he told his children. Yeah, that's what I'd heard too. Yeah. So that's sort of why you get what you get. But the reason I enjoy this movie, despite all of its flaws, is the lead's acting. Paul Giamatti? Yes. Yeah, I mean, he's adorable in it, but I just, nothing about the story was believable. And like you said, it did seem to be very self-indulgent of making the most important person the writer who is actually played by the writer yes of the movie yes and then making these really broad claims about well you know that the interpreter or the symbologist or whatever they said will be someone you've already seen in the story Okay, cause, and that comes from a talking to the character who is a movie critic. <laughs> and so Paul Giamatti is like, I have this story. I need to figure out who the characters are. I'm going to ask the guy who knows stories. Yeah. And that guy was supposed to be the unlikable character that winds up dying and no one's sad about it. Um, oh, no one notices. Right. No one noticed. Also, I didn't realize he was supposed to be unlikable. He was just a guy that kind of wanted to be left alone in his apartment. Well, the reason he was unlikable is because he wasn't, like, friends with Paul Giamatti, like everyone else. He just moved in! New people are disposable, is what that (laughs) says to me. Don't make new friends. Feed them to wolves. He fed himself to the wolf. Yeah. And it's okay, because they're new, and we don't like them as well. No, I think what it was supposed to illustrate is that there are actual stakes. Because up until that point, everyone's been able to run away from the wolf. Oh, so without him getting eaten, we would kind of think the wolves were a bunch of pansies. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, somebody needs to explain this story to me, Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) And it's hilarious, because the whole point of the story was how archetypical all these characters were in this story and they make no sense they make no sense and i actually read these things and you know watch youtube videos on it yeah well well, what that makes me think of is in a previous episode i mentioned chekhov's gun and you mentioned chekhov's gun while we were watching like the big climax of the movie because one of the characters who's the guardian like, they find out he's the guardian by chance. Is this idiot jock guy who's doing science by only working out one side of his body. Yeah, so he has one overbuilt arm. His right arm. And leg. Oh, and leg. I, which you don't see that much. 
And the whole thing, the whole way through, it was just like, well, if there's not some mystical otherworldly purpose that one side of his body is super fit. Like, good for punching. Right. It's a Chekhov's gun. And you know what's funny? I don't know if it was because I lost attention or whatnot, but I never did see him use the right side of his body. He didn't. Oh my gosh. The reason you didn't see it is because it didn't happen. Like, I felt like a lot of the writing in this movie was very character focused. I thought I had just missed it because I wasn't paying very close attention. No, it just never happened. So, like, you've got the arm guy. You've got... Giamatti with his stutter and his tragic backstory. You've got the writer and his sister and then like the five Hispanic girls and and the guy with no secrets and and they're all these sort of like cutesy characters packed in this story together. And I had fun with the characters, but the thing tying them together was no good. Well, and you had this I don't know if it was just an act of sexism or if it was trying to point out sexism i kind of think it was the former but one of the characters that they had to find was the healer and so the the qualifications to be the healer were really vague in the mystical story heals things and butterflies are around yeah there's butterflies and they heal things and so they decide it's this cat lady well she rescues animals Yeah, she's an animal rescue person. So it was like, woman, caregiver, of course she's the healer. She has to be the healer. I never saw a butterfly in this movie. There was one on her shoulder. You really weren't paying attention. I really didn't just get into it, I guess. But either way, the Paul Giamatti character turns out to be the healer. And it was like shocking because he used to be a doctor before a tragic he was a story. Doctor. <laughs> and they never even considered that like he took her in and healed up all her wounds and kept tending to her and, and gave went... her magic mud to heal her poison. Yeah, got her medicine and was a doctor. But nobody ever thought the healer could be a man. Well, and see when I first started when the movie first starts you sort of see the inside of his home and he's got a typewriter under the window and the narf whose name is story because this movie is very cutesy um she starts reading through his journals and she's like oh this is beautiful writing and so me forgetting the plot from the last time i watched it i'm like oh he's the writer yeah well they kind of just made this this central character seemed like he could have been anything. Except for five different people. Yeah. Which was the guilt. Yeah. And it was, there were all kinds of things that were supposed to be big twists, but they weren't really that twisty. It really came off more, and my experience with M. Night Shyamalan is is pretty limited. I think I've seen The Sixth Sense and Signs. Um, I liked The Sixth Sense. I absolutely despised Signs. I didn't realize that that was M. Night Shyamalan while I was watching this movie. I kind of found that out afterwards. And now I'm more on the, I'm not a fan of M. Night Shyamalan. And and the whole thing he's known for is the twist. Which is why there's so many. And people refer to him when there's a plot twist. Like, Mm -hmm. he's become, his name has been become synonymous with the plot twist. His name has also become synonymous with bad movies. I know. 
And bad plot twists. And bad plot twists. And I felt like this movie was such a bad example of the Shyamalan plot twist that it easily could have been a parody of the Shyamalan plot twist. Well, then you need to watch The Village. Because that plot twist just had me... make me... Throw up my hands in the air and go, oh, really? Yeah. I I did not realize. I... I have always been someone who would kind of come to M. Night Shyamalan's defense because I thought people were just kind of reacting to the fact that they knew there was going to be a twist, so they were looking for it the whole time. It's like, just because you didn't want to experience the movie doesn't mean he wrote it badly. And, oh, I was wrong. I really hope I haven't been, like, defending him ignorantly. I think you have. I bet I have. I really want to like him. Well, I like Sixth Sense. But that's in large part because of the characters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I like this movie because of Paul Giamatti. I find him totally charming in this role. Yeah. And now that I've known someone with a stutter, I think he acts a stutter really well. Well, I also think that I have seen this movie before. <laughs> but didn't remember it because it was that unremarkable of a movie. It's and definitely not his twistiest work. <laughs> He's done twistier. <laughs> done twistier. Well, and the name is easy for me to associate with him. And the name is a movie that the name of the movie stands out to me. I know it was a big thing. I know it was a big deal. So that's a, that's remarkable to me, too, that it, it can be such a big-name movie, and I had completely forgotten I'd watched it. And I don't normally do that. Well, so from the Wikipedia page, this largely received negative criticism, this movie, right? As it should, as it should. So the budget was $70 million, and it made $72.8 million. Oh, my word. How did they spend $70 million on that movie? The set? I mean, it was wonderful cinematography. Oh, yes. And the the sound association with the sprinklers going off, which means there's danger nearby, was a fantastic move. Yeah, there, there's a lot of cinematography in this that, that's just artful. Mm-hmm. But it all takes place in one courtyard. I don't see where they put... That budget, like, there's apartment buildings and a courtyard. I don't understand how that budget... It, it's up... When, when did this movie came out? Was it, like... 2000-something. Yeah. I guess it's possible... 2006. ...that the CGI was really expensive at the I time? I think they were impressed by the CGI with the wolves and stuff. Maybe that's something. I mean, it wasn't terrible CGI. A lot of times, early CGI is just unwatchable. Like, like Jabba the Hutt in the remake of Star Wars, not the remake, but the re-release of Star Wars, where Jabba the Hutt was small and shiny. I haven't seen it. Yeah. They should never have CGI'd Star Wars. And I, I think the reason the CGI stands up as much as it does in this movie is the monster is supposed to be camouflaged. So it's trying to blend as much with the surroundings as possible. Which I think is why, like, because if they were trying to make, like, the tiger from Life of Pi, no, it would no, have they been weren't a ready for that in no. 2006. No. No, but, they weren't. But Grassy Wolf. Yeah. 
And I saw a lot of people being impressed by early CGI that just was unwatchable. I think the first Hulk had early CGI, and it was just like watching a cartoon with people who didn't realize it was a cartoon, and I was just confused. And so maybe they really broke the budget on that CGI. That's the only thing I can think of. I didn't see anything on how they spent $70 million. Maybe Paul Giamatti commands <laughs> a hefty sum. Well, I'm going to look at the production section. Or maybe M. Night Shyamalan paid himself quite a bit for that movie. This was his first movie that he made without Disney because they didn't think it was good enough. His previous four movies he made under the Disney umbrella, and they dropped him on this one. Really? Mm-hmm. It was too campy for oh, you, Disney. I mean, know, at that point, if if so, if Disney is telling you that your plot line is too hokey, you got to take several steps back and reconsider your life choices. <laughs> I think I know where the budget went to. They built an apartment complex. <laughs> <laughs> Because he was just so dedicated to his craft. Well, that's what he does in the village, too. They, like, build an entire village for the movie. And then have people okay, live in it in for the village, a little while. I don't, weren't they, like, kind of huts, like cabins? It was... It was, it was, it was nicer stuff. <sighs> you haven't seen it. Don't talk about it. I'm pretty sure I have seen it, Amanda. I just don't remember it. There's, like, woods surrounding the village and people disappear into the woods. You could have just seen a trailer. I could have just seen a trailer. I could have just seen a trailer on the lady in the water, but I kind of think I've seen it. And maybe it's just that the trailer encapsulates everything you need to know about the movie. But no, there's no development of the characters. And that is particularly odd if you consider that trying to find your purpose in life is the point of the movie. Well, Paul Giamatti has a breakdown and feels better about life afterwards. Sure, but you don't see any change in his life. There's no... Well, he doesn't stutter anymore. He didn't stutter all the time anyway. Well, that was only when he was around Story, because she was magic. Like, that's how he proved to people she was magic, is they'd be like, you're not stuttering. And he's like, I know it's her. (laughs) I completely (laughs) missed that. You didn't watch the dang movie, Amy. (laughs) This is a podcast of one. This podcast is now going to be Amanda bringing movies and me telling her why she has bad opinions without having watched the movie. No, I I told you when I suggested this movie that I enjoy it, but I think it's a bad movie. And I also think it's a bad movie and also didn't enjoy it. Which to me, if you enjoy the movie, that's good enough. Yeah. Well, the thing, the reason is I saw this when I was younger and... I don't think I'd seen a lot of leads like Paul Giamatti. And it was like the first time I'd watched a movie where like the main character was just sort of a dad. And I liked that. And I still like that. Like he brought dad bod to the silver screen before dad bod was a thing. I got a completely different vibe from that. What what vibe did you get? Um, I feel like random white dude lead is normal <laughs> in movies. And in particular. Yeah, but balding. Yeah, and stuttering. 
I'd seen Paul Giamatti and things before this And movie. I hadn't. Okay, all right. So you just discovered the wonders of Paul Giamatti. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I don't think and I've I was seen... just like, okay, interesting casting. I don't think I've seen him in anything else either. Like, he really is my favorite part of this movie. <laughs> he has other work, Amanda. I know he does. I haven't seen it. He has other work that's not even as stupid. I mean, I thought the casting was more interesting for being uh, really diverse uh, really early on where where in 2006 there just wasn't a lot of push in Hollywood to have non-white faces, non-white well, stories. I do think that has to be in part because M. Night Shyamalan is a person of color. Yeah, but his previous movies were pretty white. And this one, he diverged from Disney to make his vision. I know. I know. Well, and even though he managed to cast non-white characters that were, were strong supporting roles, they were unbelievable. The Chinese family, mm-hmm. you had the daughter who was... She was going against stereotype. Sure. She was trying to go against the stereotype. She was a, a young Asian woman going to school mm-hmm. and partying and not entirely focused on her studies. Yes. Yes. But then got swept up into this mystic Chinese. Mm-hmm. I'm going to learn the stories of my ancestors for you. It was No, 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 no. It was magical I, Chinese people kind it, of thing. It happened. was I want to believe in magic. Like that was something that a lot of characters like the guy who would sit in his apartment with the door open, he's like, I wanna believe. There mm-hmm. was a lot of I wanna believe. Sure. But the mom <laughs> of the Chinese woman who was going to school and partying was very much a Chinese woman stereotype. Yes. Of like angry, unreasonable mom woman. And then in addition to that, to win her over, Paul Giamatti had to act like an actual child. In order to be told a children's story. Um, I just, I just think the mom had a thing for humiliation. <laughs> I just think she was like, yeah, I'll do this to Whitey. <laughs> it was so ridiculous, though. He just had a milk mustache and, and he was going down. to wipe it. And they're like, no, don't wipe it. <laughs> it was so weird. I just didn't, I felt uncomfortable watching that depiction of Asian culture because I don't, you know, you watch Chinese movies and that's not how they depict themselves. I'm not going to say this is a good movie. It's not a good movie. Like, you keep looking at me expecting me to say something. You keep saying you enjoy it. I enjoy Paul Giamatti! When I hear I enjoy something, I think it's good, especially, like, what makes you enjoy bad things, Amanda? Amy, I've shown you the Garfield video, and you think when I say I enjoy something, I'm saying it's quality? No. We should do a review of the Garfield video. <laughs> it's over an hour of some guy talking about the philosophical background of one Garfield comic while Philip Glass music plays in the background. And she put this on at my house. It's an exercise. So if she says she enjoys the lady in the water, take that with a big old grain of salt. 
I just enjoy the absurd. <laughs> I don't know. Where do you rate this movie on our Ubrick scale, Amanda? Paul Giamatti aside. Ugh. Well, with Paul Giamatti, what's what's your... Yeah, we're gonna have some. We're gonna have to watch some more Paul Giamatti movies just to kind of. Let me do one more take in case that was too quiet. Oh no, we heard it. But mm. yeah, you can do that over and over again. Now that I know how you feel about Paul Giamatti, I feel like this is gonna be a thing. I'm fine with that. Okay. <laughs> What's your rating? Eh. I thought it would be worse. Yeah, I. It's just such a non-movie. It's just, eh. It's a whole movie. You didn't watch it, but Eh. there was a movie being played. Eh. That and that is the noise that I would make if somebody tried to get me to watch it again. Eh. I mean, that's fine. I'd shake my head too. It would just be a very emphatic. eh. This is like the second or third time I've watched it. Like it's not a close. It might be the second or third time I watched it too. It's that forgettable. It's not a favorite or anything. Like, I'm not going to pull it out in a couple years and be like, oh, we should watch this. But Paul Giamatti. That's all I got to say. Paul Giamatti. All right. Well, I've had about enough of this. (laughs) I'm done. You should pick the next one. The only thing that we can come up with is Paul Giamatti. So now I feel just If you like Paul Giamatti, watch his other movies. (laughs) Yes, if you like Paul Giamatti, watch his other movies. And remember, we're professionals. We watch them so you don't have to.